Dave, shut up. Nobody cares. Just play. We need to play to win. I was like, no. But I was like, yeah, Dave, no one cares about you right now. We're trying to win a natty. Dad used to tell me all the time. He used to tell me all the time. Son, don't worry about the mules. Just load the wagon. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. I'm Chris Tehan. I'm here with my co-host, Mitch Lightfoot, and we got another great guest today. Maybe one of the biggest shots in Kansas history in the national championship to kind of close it out. Dave McCormick. Dave, how you doing? What's up? What's up? Um, I'm great, man. I'm happy to be back. I'm stateside. Um, currently working out, but it feels good to be back. Dave, super excited to have you back. I, I wanted to give the fans kind of a, an insight what you've been doing since the since the national championship. Uh, I know you've been overseas. Give us give us a little bit about that and, and, and give us an update. Uh, yeah, man. So uh, went through the whole process. Uh, kind of early August, I headed out to Europe. I was I was in Turkey, and man, it was honestly like it was it was a hell of an experience. Like so with Turkey, I was in Istanbul. It's like. 20 million people, super crowded, but the lifestyle is amazing. They have a lot of beautiful places, um, great indulging myself in the culture, the food, the atmosphere, all of that. Um, and the team is really cool. So I play for like one of the biggest clubs that's out there. Um, they have a lot of support, a lot of fans. Um, I had a lot of uh, Big 12 players that ran through it as well. So it was me, Matt Coleman, who played at Texas. I played with Matt Mooney, who was at Texas Tech for a while. So it was it was really cool. I, I had a lot of familiar faces, and I, I felt really comfortable, honestly. And you and Matt Coleman played uh, AAU ball together. And did you? Did he go to Oak Hill too, or did uh... he went to Oak Hill too? So it was it was honestly crazy how how it all happened. So um, I finished summer league. Me and Matt were actually on the same flight back home to, and he told me he's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go overseas this year. And I was like, all right, bet, cool, you know, uh, just we always gonna stay in touch. And he came and it kind of felt like uh, a good for me. And as I'm talking to the GM and uh, the faculty of the team, they were saying, oh, it's interesting. We actually have somebody from that area. And I was like, all right, cool. That's super cool. And they're like, oh, Matt Coleman, do you know him? And I was like, I've known him since I was like eight, was like 15 minutes from him. We're like super close. And I was like, oh, great. This is amazing. You'll feel comfortable. Like all of that good stuff. Then we started talking some more, just going over little logistics. And he was kind of giving me references to players to talk to from previous years. And I was like, OK, bet. And he was like, actually, we had a player that went to Kansas, too. And I was like, who? And he was like, Diedrich Lawson. And I was like, where? He was like, yeah. So Diedrich played the year before. I was like, Diedrich was my roommate. Like, I I lived with him as well. And he was like, man, this is crazy. He was like, it sounds like fate because both of them could tell you you couldn't feel any more comfortable. So. It was definitely like a great flow into the transition of moving over there. What uh, what's your next step? What are you what are you, what are you looking to do next year? Uh, what about what about next year? Uh, so right that I'm I'm in Atlanta. I'm doing some training. Um, actually, just for like a little bit towards the end of the week, I think I'm heading out to Milwaukee for like a training camp to do out there. Um, all goes well. We're still going to see how things go. Go into summer league. And then um, I have options overseas as well. So it's depending whether I want to stay stateside or, or go overseas again. You know, y'all know is, I'm big on family. I is that just, uh, can, options overseas? Is that is that in Turkey again or is that all over Europe or over there? Uh, it's kind of all, you know, spots here and there. Uh, Germany, France, um, Israel is another uh, place. Um, those are 
of like the, the ones that just kind of come to mind. So, you know, it's all great locations, all like I'm, a, I'm always big into traveling and seeing new things. So I think that lifestyle as well as playing basketball, which is my passion, is a, a great option as well. So when uh, when you're going through the draft process, you obviously played in summer league last year, went through the whole draft process. When did you kind of decide that overseas was the right call? I know you, yeah, you're a man of culture. I, you had a good time. I saw your Snapchat stories traveling around by yourself or whatever. Was that a, like a key motivator, or was it just kind of like you just I don't know what what was that decision? What was the thought process through that? Um, honestly, it was a it was kind of a super last minute decision. Um, so I went through the whole summer league process, like you said, and everything. And afterwards, I kind of reflected and I was like, um, I was very like, I was really just like hell bit on like, I'm staying in the States. I know like I'll do whatever, whatever to be over here and do what I want to do. Uh, whereas someone, some advice came to me um, from a good friend. So um, me, my mother and Emmanuel quickly, um, his mom there were very close you know and they were saying you know just always be open for anything so you know i just decided to open up my options and see what's overseas and that was honestly like a really good club um a really good opportunity good teammates all of these things so i was like you know what i'm gonna be open to just doing this and once i you know i told the team i was like cool i'm all in they were like all right great so like say this happened on a on a sunday monday type deal i was like all right great they were like, we need you here by Friday, Saturday. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, all right, let me just throw my whole life in the bag and, you know what I'm saying, just pack up. So it was, it was a really last-minute split decision, but I think it was a really great decision as well. I think it definitely helped me uh, grow not only as a player but as a person too. Did, what, uh, did you Matt Coleman, uh, like Diedrich playing the year before, Matt Coleman being there when you got there, did that play a role in it? Like just kind of making you a little bit more comfortable for sure. It definitely did. Because, you know, everybody's about comfortable. I was like, I knew Matt. I hit Matt up. I was like, yo, what's good? Um, is this the team that you're playing for? And he's like, yeah. I was like, yo, bro, we finna be on the same team. He's like, Where we already got the chemistry. We was in high school. We already knew how I rock. Um, another uh, player that I knew of, but I didn't have, like, the closest connection, um, I just text Jordan Usher. Like, I knew of him. So we came in all on the scene. We were all young athletes. Like, some played G League um, and some played uh, – college so we were both like all young americans so we all kind of bonded over that while we were over there and i think it was just kind of a, a interesting kind of i don't know aspect we all kind of had the same point of view it was all of our first seasons overseas as well so we're going to go through this and we're going to go through it together what was your biggest like welcome to overseas basketball like i know it's it's very different than than uh being at ku and i can say that from experience but like what was your biggest like Welcome to welcome to Europe. Welcome to something new, bro. Honestly, it's crazy. Like one of the wildest things is probably like the practice schedule. Like no, no bullshit, no bullshit, right? So, uh, you we we all of us are used to like boot camp. We're like, all right, yeah. fuck, we gotta get, we gotta do the running, we gotta do this all season long. We had two a days, sometimes three a days. The entire, I kid you not, I can't make it up. It's like, it was just so different. So we'll get up, we'll do our lift, then we'll do like the basketball development, then it'll be like another kind of like practice run through type deal, maybe a little bit of conditioning. You'll go back to the crib. I usually probably nap, try to get something to eat. Then we'll come back and we'll have a full blown practice again. 
And then sometimes that'll be the two a day, sometimes the three a day, they'll schedule it when it'll be lift conditioning in the morning, you'll come back afternoon, which is um, shooting, drill work. And you think that usually takes about an hour? Nah, sometimes that'll be like hour and a half, maybe two hours. Damn near a whole practice. Then you'll come back at night. You'll get in the gym at like seven o'clock at night, do a full blown practice again. Sometimes, you know, depending on what time in the season it was, whether it's later or earlier, it could be, you know, uh, two hours or it could be two and a half, closer to three. Getting out of the gym at like nine o'clock, nine thirty at night, and I'm just like, bro, this is something I've never thought before. Like, it's wild. It's almost a mindset of like, if we practice three hours and we win by fifteen. That means if we practice six, six, damn, if we practice six hours, we'll win by 30. It's like the more add-ons, the better. It's, it's, yeah. Look. Yeah. What, uh, you were telling us a little bit beforehand, the, the passion that, that uh, overseas fans have for, for basketball. And, and you played at a place at KU that has a ton of passion. The fans, the fans are super into it, but like the story you told us was, was over the top. Like give us, tell, tell the fans about that one. <laughs> Yo. All right. So, uh, I love Rock Chalk Nation for sure. Um, one of the most diehard fans wherever you go. Actually, I didn't even tell you all this fun fact. I was in a game. Uh, it was one of the games actually I actually didn't play that game. Um, I think I was out because of back spasms or whatever. But as I'm walking through, I think it was during halftime or warm up, all I hear is Dave, Dave, what? A, and I was like, all right, cool. Like it's one of the fans, but the English sounded great. So then I turn and I look, I kid you not. It might be the same shirt that you got on, Mitch. Full-blown Kansas fans all the way Turkey. And I was like, yo, we are really global, like, worldwide fans everywhere. And I was like, yo, this is tough. Like, it really meant something special, to be honest with you. Um, I don't remember who they are. I didn't get a chance to meet them. They, they dipped out before I got a chance to meet them. But shout out to them for sure. Um, but no, so the rivalry in the, in the fans – crazy so they always told us like if you're gonna have some visitors come come to only home games because it gets hectic you can't opposing uh visitors in the gym just because it gets like hectic to go back and forth they'll go back and like some things might get physical and i thought it was like an exaggeration like maybe they'll throw a beer in or something like that like you something common no so i asked them they said we have a robbery game. It was like an hour away, whatever. So I'm like, no, can I have people come to the game? They're like, no, definitely not this game. Any game that I had, like family or somebody come to, it was definitely home games. And I made sure they were in a protected, solid spot because that's just baffling. Like, they take the rivalry serious. Like, I've seen Jayhawk tattoos, but, like, our um, our mascot was an eagle. I've seen full-blown eagles on the people's backs, snacks, all of that. They, they're very diehard. That's insane. That's insane. And I never, I never thought about that until uh, I saw a clip of Jokic maybe saying it uh, early in the playoffs this year. They're like, "Is that the best environment you played in?" He was like, "Brother, I played in Syria or uh, Serbia," and they showed uh, the picture of their arena, and he was standing at half court. And they're lighting off flares and doing these crazy chants. Oh, it looked like crazy. a riot more than it looked like a basketball game. So one of the things, all right. So our very first game. Again, I swear Big 12, Kansas is everywhere. Our very first game, we traveled to France, and we played a team called Charlet. Uh, Perry Ellis was on the team, actually. Uh, so, shout out to Perry He had a great game. Um, but I don't know the team because we lost by, like, 30. I'm not a lot of you. I had my, I had my game, but, like, it was crazy. So, you normally you'll hear the, the music and stuff before tip-off. 
And this is another like kind of wake up moment. That I was like, I'm really in Europe because when the ball is tipped up, you know, everything goes silent. It's all about the game. No. As soon as the ball is up, the game is going. The band is still banging drums. They're still making loud whistles. They're still doing like everything. And I'm like, yo, this is not going to stop. And like, if you taunt the crowd, they'll throw like pennies, quarters, whatever onto the court. And I'm just like, I'll pick, I, one time I picked it up and I like tried to hand it to the ref. And I was like, uh, I was like, are you going to do anything about this? And he was like, yeah, nah, um, just go ahead and throw it off to the side. He's like, this is normal. And I was like, oh, all right, well, I, I'll just keep it pushing. But it was, it was definitely a big introduction. But I do love the crowd more than the uh, thing for me that I like being in Germany it was there's kids like little kids that come to the game like they, like families bring bring their their kids and their friends and stuff to games and they're at the games and like in the warmups they're put, they're playing all American rap and like these kids don't speak a word of English but they're singing these rap songs and they're singing and, and they play the explicit versions so like we're sitting there and I'm like this little kid on the, is like rapping like eight years old on the sidelines like singing every word to this like. Like real, real rap, and I'm like, "Oh, you don't know what I, you're saying." Like, and not the slightest clue. They're just gunning off. They're like, "Yeah, no, this is my favorite song." And I was like, "If you realized the things that you were saying, you would have to stop." Like, like there's no way. But you it's, it's crazy. Drunk. <laughs> Easily, they're like, no. And I'm like, no. You like, guys were. Can't. You guys were talking about the. Or you were talking about the practice schedule. I I worked out with a bunch of. Uh, like players that went overseas when I was in high school and they were talking about the conditioning test you have to do uh, right when you get there. Did you guys have to do that when you guys got overseas? For sure. Um, I had to do like a full body strength and conditioning test. It was just kind of like all body weight stuff. It was like how many push-ups you can do on like however many times, uh, pull up, uh, kind of like wall sit, squat endurance, just to kind of see like any type of muscle endurance. And then afterwards you did, you went straight in your conditioning test to see how uh, fast and how long you run while your muscles are fatigued. And then based off of that, they uh, wrote a specific strength and conditioning program. Mine was, mine was a little different. I did like, they had, as soon as I showed up, they took me, I had flown the entire day and I was like, it was like a 30, like a 30 hour travel day. And so I land, they take me from, I, I fly to Paris and I go from Paris to Stuttgart and Stuttgart to Kirchheim and, uh, I get to Kirchheim and they take me to this, like, it's like almost like a physical therapist type thing. And, uh, they, they made me like do all this like physical testing. Like I had balance, like test my flexibility. Uh, like they would ask if you had any other prior, prior, prior injuries in the past and, and do all that stuff. But like, so I'm, I'm awake for like 32 hours, I think. And I go from the doctor's office. They're like, yeah, you have to practice now. And so it's, oh, God. I'm going on like 30, I'm like 34 hours of being awake. And I, and I went through a practice and like, by the time I got out of that practice, I'm like sitting there in the locker room, like not dying, but no. as close as, as close to being dead tired as I've ever been in my entire life. Well, you got the jet lag. jet lag. It took, it, but honestly, it did the best for me because I was able to like stay awake till that next night and I could sleep my way through and like just wake up and be good. But like the jet lag going there wasn't as bad as the jet lag coming back. Like I was waking up when I got back to the States, I was waking up at like 3 a.m. I'm sure Dave, you're still going through this. Like, bro, I was the, I was actually the opposite. Like going there, I didn't go to sleep. So 
so I got there and when I touched down, I'm like, all right, cool. We'll get you some food and get adjusted. I didn't go to sleep till like six in the morning that next morning. But then I guess since I, I came back, when I came back, I came kind of already at night. So I, I got home at like three in the morning and I was already tired from travel. So I right into a, a normal sleep schedule. Yeah, it's wild, dude. It's, it's, it, took me a, it took me a little bit to be like not tilted that they made me practice on absolutely no sleep. I would have been kicked off the team first day if you kept me up for 32 hours straight and then said go practice. I would have lost my mind first time someone said anything to me. Yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely interesting. He's like the coach is like, hey, he doesn't know everything yet. He's just his first practice here. So like at least he was like understanding because I was a ghost of what I usually am. But uh, did your did your coach speak English? So I had a Serbian coach, Igor. I forget his, his last name is like per, Pekovic, Pekovic, but uh, I was supposed to say Pelicic. Nah, he's a he's a Serbian he's a, he's a Serbian dude. Like, and generally, like Serbian coaches are known to be like super hard ass and stuff. And my coach was doing me wrong. He had coaches hard, but he was he was very it was very different than KU because I feel like when you get to the professional level of basketball, like it almost like swings and the player has more. For sure. More of the same. No, there's no rules over there either, like practice-wise, right? No. There's no regul- regulations or anything. It's just about at least about open gym time. About it. Yeah. So, like, for us, like, I think there's – I'm not 100% sure, but, like, it wasn't like our practice schedule was crazy or anything. I mean, we go we do two-a-days, but at the same point in time, like, it's very different than when you're in two-a-days at KU because two-a-days at KU means, like, you're practicing like you have schoolwork going on like no we're just over there straight hoops so like it's kind of like not as bad like it's it's pretty okay and you're you're there to hoop but more what you said i said more casual than anything yeah it's 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 more casual and and plus you're getting paid to do it which guys now are getting paid but when we were majority of the time when we were there like it's not like we were getting paid to hoop or anything so Speaking, nah, of, speaking of getting paid, Dave, I want to hear what is your opinion on, on the whole NIL? And, and obviously, we capitalized on it for our last year and, and probably set up the guys after us with the, with the hype coming off of the national championship to, to make some money. But what is your opinion on it? And do you know uh, how much those people made? Do you know how much like Jay Will and Grady and them made? Have you talked to any of them? I haven't, but I know the bank. Yeah, yeah you don't, I won't tell you. It'll ruin your day. But, yeah, continue yeah. on. You stick to your stuff. Cool. I, I went professional overseas, and they're just like, yeah, bro, I dropped the bag, too, and I'm still in Lawrence. I'm like, bro, it's cool. I'm already I'm already knowing. But um, yeah. no, I, I honestly have, like, mixed opinion about it. So, like, I'm all for, like, go get the bag, bro. Like, you have definitely put your body and put so much labor, blood, sweat, and tears, all that into, like, what you deserve rightfully in doing so. You know what I'm saying? We've all been through uh, at least four boot camps and the constant, you know, coach might come in on an off day and he's like, well, I don't care. Just get on the line, run. We've done that. I don't even remember what was that charge drill circuit. Like we've done all that. And you're like, yo, if I just had a little compensation for this, it won't be as bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but I like, I'm all for that. But at the same time, I look at it and I just like, Outside looking in, it's like players are no longer like going to universities to play and play for the like love of the game. Like they're gonna get a bag. Or if you're staying there, or if you're trying to leave, it's not leaving for a better opportunity. It's just like 
I'm getting a bigger bag. So like, if somebody leaves, they're like, oh, I'm not playing as much. And the schools can now promise you money without playing time. Like, yeah, you were playing more at Kansas and you might get less money, but we'll play you more with a little bit less, or we'll play you less and you'll just get more money. So you could just pocket money without less playing time. And at that point, it's not about basketball. That's just you just trying to make a, a business proposal, which I can't knock you for, but like, I think it definitely depreciates the value of like what's going on. And I think that will uh, change with like talent. Like everyone looks at talent on a team will be like ranked number one just because of who they have on the roster. I just think that schools who can sit there and not discipline their players, we get their players to buy into the actual program and not worry about the money. Like, I mean, I would love to say Kansas and uh, like Michigan State, like Tom Izzo's not going to let that kind of stuff happen. I think that no. those schools will kind of pull away and then we'll see the settle back where it's not like, okay, I only played 20 minutes a game and got 100K. I want to play 25 and get a mil. For sure, yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's a discipline in how, you know, hours separate themselves from, you know, the common or maybe the ordinary of what else is going on. I think the, the fact that there's like the one-time transfer policy and NIL is, is a thing, I think that's going to make, all of college basketball like a free agency and you're starting to see that this year with, with the transfer portal and KU loses we end up losing like seven dudes nine dudes I think, I think, I think it almost I, I, it may have been nine or ten I feel like it was like nine or ten I, you know it was so hard breaking for me because I was like of course I was over there and I'm just looking and I'm like yo Man. that's little bro he's gone and I'm like oh it's little bro gone too and I'm like yo just to you know what I'm saying? We were all close in our brotherhood and uh, and just being like in McCarthy, being around like you, it's, everything is a familiar face. And we'll always share the bond, of course, but it's just like you would love to see them just continue there the same way that you did, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think the part of the stuff that has to do with that is like Coach Self is bringing in some real dogs now. And like it's he's, he's like, it's not recruiting. It's a business. At the end of the day, we all know it's a business. Like it's not recruiting over you. Like it's, it's Coach Dolphin is doing what he has to do. You know what I'm saying for the following. Yeah, it's not personal. So I I think those guys that were there are starting to see these new guys coming in. That even you think about like the Ernest situation with with Hunter coming in. Like you've got to. Yeah, it's going to be hard to to see what's going on, and that's why you can you can respect it. You know, you you obviously uh, Hunter's a great player. Then we have great young talent coming in, like athletic wings. Um, then we have great transfers coming in. You know, I don't. I really don't know everybody's name, but I know we had uh, the young guy McDonald's All-American. We had the Texas uh, transfer from Texas, who was a great wing. We got the transfer from Townsend that was coming in. Then we already got the people that we've had before. We got KJ, who was strong, athletic, and doing what he was doing. He's the, I think he had most improved player of the year, did he not? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was by far. I mean, you were there last. Or you were there with us uh, your senior year, and then watching him last year. I don't know how many games you watched, dude. His he a thousand times Big, better. Amazing. That's, and that's then the thing with being over. Go ahead. I was just a defensive player of the year, right? Juan did. Um, yeah. I, I was just I'm pretty bro. It's just like we've already got great like solidified pillars we got great pillars on the team now and now we're just continuously like adding to it and all it is now is just finding the chemistry in this you know this grace period of summer and if you find that chemistry early on everything else is smooth sailing like we all know that
And I think you can pair like last two last year to your sophomore year, Dave, and our junior year. Uh, like obviously the COVID year and we had a bunch of guys leave. It was sad to see them leave, but in reality it was kind of like, okay, good. Like we weren't going to win with those guys. We had our chance to do it. We didn't do it. And that was the same thing last year. Like we won the national championship. We're not going to tell people to leave. We're going to try to play that way. And it just didn't work out. And I think everyone was realizing that and yeah, just kind of turned over. But yeah, we got five dudes. If they could play 40 minutes, I would choose them to win the natty for sure. And then we have a bunch of talent coming off the bench and there's just not a, a coach in the nation that I trust more than Coach Self to get those dudes to buy in. And I think that those guys came here for that reason. So, yeah, I think that we did a good job in it, and we will continue <laughs> to do a good job in it. But it will there will be a bunch of different reasons that NIL like kind of struggles, and we'll see more FAUs and stuff get into the Final Four because they'll have some dudes transfer, pay them 200K, and they'll buy in and want to win. That's crazy to think. The fact that it's, it's all it's going to take is like – one donor being like, okay, I'm going to back their collective and we're going to go get guys. And now you're going to have teams like, like we, we talked about this earlier like during March Madness, Chris. Like, it's almost gonna, it can be either way. It can be kids are going to get poached from schools like FAU and Fairleigh Dickinson, or schools are going to have those donors step up and bring in, bring in new players. Like, they're going to bring in fresh blood that with that NIL money. So it, it, it can go either way. I would probably venture to say it's, it's going to go more the way of bigger schools poaching from mid-majors and, and taking and coaches. And definitely. Coaches, but, 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 like, collectives going and looking at what's your what's the all-freshman team in, in the in the Western Athletic Conference? What's the all-freshman team in Mountain West? Players, like, you know what I'm saying? Just taking a, the big fish in a small pond and just adding that big fish to a, a bigger pond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you can do that with bigger dollars. And, and, and I think I, I was I was looking at stuff online about this, and they, they had talked about how, like, NIL is just completely, like, throwing a wrench in everything when it comes to, like... I, guess I, like I told everybody that was happening, as soon as we started doing NIL, and they were like, we're getting taxed as uh, private contractors, 30% clip. And I was like, everybody's going to start going to jail in 15 years. Yeah, we get taxed Wait, 30% on every dollar we make for... Uh, for nil because we're private contractors they don't pay our they don't pay our taxes when they give us the checks we have to pay our own and so it's 30 percent whoa bro so have they uh gotten to uh anybody yet or you know what i'm saying have they even started that type of filing yet it hasn't been around it hasn't been around long enough for the irs to really like catch catch on and stuff but i i the thing that i see is like they're, you're gonna have you're gonna have like the the nil collectives, and unless they're doing it correctly, and you ha- you have you have like not, not I'm not saying a tax person on staff, but you're getting good tax advice from a, a good professional, and you're and you're having lawyers with you that can legitimize what you're doing from a from like a from a tax standpoint. Then you're gonna be you're gonna be in a world of hurt because like I mean, yo, even- you're you're doing this, and then you also got like kids literally just fresh out of high school, bro. Like they're Ah, uh, yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna be like mid thirties, forties, and like, yep, so and so got locked up just, just because a little bit of tech. He, he, he is gonna be taxes on his annual money. He thought so, it was all good. He spent it on an SRT, and now he has a, a smooth little jail time now. Anyway. And I mean, dude, I was a fifth year senior, and after the season, we started like bringing in the cash, and someone was telling me about that. I was even I was like, oh, 
I completely forgot about it. So I think that's important for schools to do it. And KU did a good job of it, bringing a tax expert in and kind of just giving us a teaching class. But people are going to have to do that because there's a lot of people that don't know any better. And I think it's probably like 95% of college athletes. Like I didn't really know. I never thought about it. You just get a check or whatever. And you're like, all right, yeah, put that in my bank account. I can go get food this month. Bro, I think I think they might be getting paid more than uh, spending money or food this month money right. now, Chris. New Either car this month money, or you're just duck and run. You don't anyway, duck Dave, I wanted to I wanted to circle back to talking about you getting recruited by KU. We talked about this with Kevin McCuller, obviously Oach, CB. They all had great stories about their first interactions with Coast Self, and it's yourself being a McDonald's All American. Talk about your high school, your high school recruitment and how, and how that was. Um, so it was, um, really amazing. So one of the things I always remember, um, just to start off my college recruitment is I, I remember my very first offer, right? So my very first offer came from ODU and I remember telling my mom about that and she was just like, she didn't understand what an offer was just because like, I'm probably the, biggest athlete in my family and it's probably taking it uh the furthest and I so I was like yeah no it's offering oh so what does that mean I was like I get to go to college and keep playing sports and they're covering it and she's just like what so she immediately like starts bawling like can't believe it and she's just hysterical she's super happy and then you know it keeps going and rolling in and um it was it was just a wild experience throughout the whole journey right and then Kansas is probably the funniest thing that's ever happened, right? So, of course, um, it was easiest to do unofficial visits driving up and down the East Coast. But I'm getting letters in the mail. And unbeknownst to my knowledge, I'm getting letters from Kansas. And then uh, in my recruitment process, mom and my aunt both helped me through the process. During this time, they're taking the Kansas letters and, like, hiding them. They're, like, either putting them in the closet, putting them in the filing drawer, might put some in the trash. Like, I have no clue that I had any type of interest from Kansas whatsoever. So it's never it never been a thing to me. I'm like, all right, cool. So um, once that date passes, I don't know what date it is. Like, sometime in June where coaches can start to call you directly versus going through, you know, somewhere else or something like that, right? Um, I get a call from coach howard right and he was just like yo what's up blah 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 it's howard staff KU basketball how you doing man blah 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 so we chop it up real cool uh build that relationship and then um i was like yeah it's cool and then one day i was in the middle of uh class stepped out of class phones going off and he's like hey it was coach howard. he's like hey um i got coach self right here I'm just going to make sure that he wants to call you from his own phone so you guys can have your own conversation. I was like, all right, cool. So I talked to Coach. You know, he was like, hey, it's Coach Self. We, we enjoyed a conversation. And I was like, all right, no, I appreciate it, Coach. Like, super happy. Hang up the call. So then I get off the call. Immediately, I call uh, Mom. I was like, yeah, uh, I just got off the phone with Kansas. This is great. Like, I just talked to Coach Self or whatever, whatever. And she was like, Oh, you talked to Kansas. No, had no clue. So we both hang up the phone, right? Um, she asked me, she's like, well, did you get an offer? Did he, was he just interested? And I was like, yeah, actually, I don't know. I was like, I need to call him back. Like, I was still confused. I called him. My mom calls my aunt. She was like, did you tell him about Kansas? 
you know, I didn't tell him about cancer. Like, how did he find out? How did this work out? Um, so I called coach. He told me it's an offer. I called him back, and they were like, yeah, I had no clue. When I come back home, they take out, like, the fattest stack of, like, Kansas letters and things. And I was like, oh, so you guys were just jipping me the whole time. You didn't show me any of these letters. They're like, yeah, Kansas was too far to go there. Look where I end up with a natty, with big 12 rings, all because you wanted to hide. So I think it was one of the wildest stories for sure. And your mom played a huge role in your life. I mean, obviously, but I, you guys have a special connection. What did like the coaches and staff have to do to convince her to pretty much allow you to come down here? Um, <laughs> it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of convincing. Um, you know, like you said, me, my mom are real close. I'm the I'm the baby child, and. For some reason, a lot of people thought I wasn't going to go far from home. So, you know, they, they took a visit. They came and visited me um, at my house, met the family, grandmother, all of that. So they were very wholesome and they were very, you know, appreciative of the family ties that we had. And they reassured her that, you know, your son, your your baby boy is going to be in great hands. We'll treat him just like family as well. We'll make sure he's going to develop him into a great player and into a great man as well and she just like you know I feel very comfortable with this she let him you know of course it was my decision ultimately but I felt comfortable with coach as well and we felt that you know this is the best place for me and um, you know rest is history on it but, so I'll, uh, did your mom like say anything out of pocket to them because I know my mom when uh, KU was recruiting Connor and Connor was like hey I'll, I'll come to Kansas my mom looked coach self right in the eyes and said if anything happens to my son, I will come here and kill you. Swear to God, said it right to him in the meeting and then said it as a joke in my meeting. I didn't know about it uh, at the time. And I looked at her like, what are you saying? Like, you're about to get this taken away from me. (laughs) You're going to lose, you're going to lose my opportunity. Sure. Uh, No, I can, I can believe it. Um, My mama had to like, during my AAU times, my mom had the, the, story arc of being the mama bear she was like you know nobody's gonna mess with my child or whatever nobody's gonna take advantage of him type deal and she's not big into sports at all like she's only like into basketball and everything because i was into it so i think like missing like needing meeting coach self and stuff she was just like i think they were talking or something like that she talked to coach howard she knew him and then she talks to herself he's like hey it's coach self or something and i i think i can't quote me i think she like Pick up the phone. She was like, "All right, cool. Who are you?" Like she just unfazed. Like, "All right, like, yeah. that, that's nothing." I'm like, "You realize this is you know, a Hall of Fame coach and coach of a place where like essentially like all kind of started." She was, and like, what is he gonna do for you? And I'm like, "A lot. <laughs> he could he could help me out a lot." I'm just like, "All right, fine." Like I'm like, "Wow, you." Early unfazed, but yeah, she didn't say anything out of pocket. She was just really unfazed by, honestly, like anything. She was like, okay, cool, national title. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's one of the hardest things to get in college basketball. It's the pinnacle of college basketball. And she was like, okay. I'm like, all right. Whatever. My mother mother says hi, by the way, Dave. She made me say that in here, slip it in here. I forgot to do it before. Perfect. Hey. Dave, I want to talk a little bit about your your past. Many don't know this, but you were big on football. Like you, you had big college college football offers. Tell us tell us about that. Tell us about your experience choosing between oh. basketball to, and football. 
Um, I was I was big on football and I was just big in general. I think that's why I was. You're a big boy. Definitely, that was definitely it. Um, so, in my football career, right, I played predominantly like uh, I played offensive tackle and defensive tackle. Sometimes defensive end, but mostly defensive tackle, right? Left or right that for offense? Uh, I was I was left tackle. That's a big money position. That's a big money position right there, Dave. It was right there, quick little quick punch, little shuffle. I was I was right there. At that time, I was like six five, three twenty, maybe three thirty. At that time, so yeah, it was it was prime prime football build, bro. Um, and I enjoyed it too, like. I, I remember having – I was still playing basketball time. I wasn't only football. So I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I had a basketball tournament in uh, – I want to say it was either South Carolina or Florida. And out there, and it was super cool. Um, you can even ask – you can even ask, like, the Oak Hill people and stuff like that, uh, like uh, Coach B-Rock, Coach Smith from Oak Hill, they know. We just finished our practice, and – um, Dabo was walking out of the gym and Dabo saw me and he was just like, yo, you're, you're a big guy, solid, strong legs or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? I, pl- I, I play football a little bit. I used to play sometime. He was like, no, you're joking. I was like, I'm, I'm so serious, coach. He was like, let me see your shuffle one time. But I literally just like did a quick shuffle and he was like, if you're ever serious about football, like, yeah, you, you got to get into it. And I was like, are you serious, coach? And he was just like, yeah. And I was like, and I like for a second, I like I did think about it. I was like, I could really run up in football, but then I was like, yo, I like my knees too much. The chop blocking on defense is crazy. So I was like, I'm gonna stick to basketball. I'm gonna enjoy it, and I'm gonna live with that because uh, that football career and that collision, that lower center gravity, like, that wasn't me. I think I grew out of it too. Like you don't see any six ten football players walking around. You do. You do see a couple of them, and that one defensive tackle for the Ravens or whatever. Uh, it's like Cass- is, that the, is that the same dude that was at Georgia? No, no. So this guy's older. He's six nine, and when you see him on the field, it, he dude like looks like a Destroy. like a Hulk. He looks like he's eight feet tall. Yeah. Dave, I so mean, how did you transition from being six five, three twenty, to being six ten? Like two, what did you end up being? Like two forty, two fifty? Probably yeah, two forty five, two fifty. That's so like, so like seventy. That's seventy seventy five pounds. Like, how do you like? How do you lose seventy seventy five pounds? Like, that's bro, impressive. It was like super dedication and everything. So, I like, I started off with like small things. Like, I, to this day, I still got a crazy sweet tooth. Like, you know, what I'm saying I love sweets, but like, I integrated the system to anything that I did. I call it the punishment system. Is what I did when I was younger, and it was just like, <laughs> it was like, bro, I would love like. I don't know, like cheesecake or something like that. And I was like, all right, cool. If I decide to have like this slice of cheesecake now or or ice cream or whatever, I would uh, add type of physical uh, exercise to it. So I'm like, all right, cool. For cheesecake would be 15, 20 burpees. Um, if I want to do ice cream, it would be, you know, 25 to 50 push-ups. So if I want to do this, it'll, you know, it would be something else correlated to whatever. And I had like a full like deal. And it made me do one of two things. It was like, if I really wanted it, I have to do this exercise. Not saying it burns all the calories, but at least it gets me active. 
or it just makes you not want to eat it as much. So it kind of curbs the appetite if I was really that lazy. And I think that's what really kind of helped me stay dedicated. And then after that, it was kind of just lifestyle reinforcement. You know, family got in supportive. They started doing it too. So then it just, from then, you slowly dropped off and, and everything just weight sheds off, all of that. Now it's just... That's incredibly disciplined for like how young you were in high school. I mean, I'm just now starting to be able to be like, okay, yeah, hey, I probably shouldn't have five pieces of cheesecake tonight. That's because I just sit in office all day. But for you to be active and have the discipline to do that, what was the switch in your head where you were like, okay, it's, something's got to change? Was it a moment or was it just kind of you were just tired and knew that you weren't playing football so you needed to probably get down a little bit? It was probably it was a little bit of both. It was like definitely the football portion. I was like, of course, in football, they want you to be bigger, like bigger is better, whether it's, uh, you know, lean mass or if it was like, you know, being really, you know, hockey type deal. But uh, it was also in basketball, too, because I was like, yeah, it's cool. It's great for the post and stuff like that. But then I wanted to be explosive. I wanted to be, you know, quick down the floor, rim running, whatever it is. And then, you know, somebody told me, it was like, look, in order for you to be, you know, at your peak and stuff like that, you also need to fall in love with running. And running's not easy when you're no. big. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, so I definitely got to, I got to find a way to do what I want and, and excel. So it was a little bit of a motivation and also like kind of falling out of football as well. And you did it again in college. I mean, we, we've talked about it on the pod before, like Ochai did when he came back for his senior year. That summer before and kind of the summer before the COVID year, you were really, really locked in, like always on the first time or getting extra work in. And that's something that, honestly, I don't think I really have seen anybody talk about, but you were dedicated. I went up there a couple times in the, in the summer, and I was, I'm 6'5", 200 pounds, pretty skinny guy. And I was having a hard time carrying my weight around. Was there like a motivation like, hey, I want to win a natty or disappointed from last year? Or was it just like, hey, I want to get out of here and need to play better? No, for sure. It was uh, it was definitely it was definitely both of them. You know, during that COVID year, I had an opportunity to I went to St. Louis and I was doing tra uh, training out there, actually. And during that time, I was just trying to get better as best as possible. You know, and I want to be the best player best of me as well um so then as soon as we had the opportunity to go you know i hit rams i'm like yo rams i'm full send all in like what needs to be done so i'm waking up um you can ask Jaden. i'm like yo i'm texting him every morning like yo we're up 7 a.m we're getting up we're doing shooting all types of skill and drill ended with conditioning come back then i'll uh rams i'm like yo ram we need to do some extra versiclimber, lift in with you guys. Then we're back on the court. Then back that night if I want to do something else. But I was, like, super dedicated. And it really, um, it really helped, honestly. You know, beginning of my junior season was a little rough. Prevailed towards the end, and I was feeling really great. But then, of course, it's all about sustaining the body. And I had the whole ordeal with my foot. But then came back senior year, even better. Got a, got a ring out of it. So I'm not mad about it. You you're talking about get you obviously keeping your body right and, and you went through a lot of a lot of stuff in terms of uh, your health during during your time at KU. When you get hurt, I don't think people truly understand like how not how serious you take it. I think that's a wrong way to say it, but like we're in we're in the training room like three to four times a day, waking up at six a.m. Like, like tell us tell us about that. Tell us about the dedication that comes in when you're hurt like, uh, it's not just like hey we're just gonna rest and get better like talk talk a little bit about that 
and your stuff was lingering too. Like it wasn't stuff that was like, hey, just two months until it heals. I mean, your your sophomore year, the COVID year, that was from before Big Twelve play through the the rest of the year, and just con- constantly fighting through it, knowing you were in pain and like not even being a hundred percent mentally and physically. Yeah, just wanted to no, let that one out there. Uh, definitely, the entire time, bro. It was just like, um, like is people don't know entirely like they think okay well you got to show up for practice you'll be in and out two hours whatever and there's the rest of your day and it's just like no um shout out to Chad. both of you know like Chad will hit you up like all right cool come to the treatment room 6 30 a.m practice is not till like four yeah so so definitely get in and he was like all right cool so we're gonna do like three treatments today so i'll come in be in there like from 7 to 8 30 go to class come back then uh, from 12 to 1 then I'll come back and I'll be right in there right before we lift and he's like are you good and I'm like yeah fine it's okay and he was like all right well after practice to double down and make sure the recovery on the back end is also good so it's not just you know everything before practice is after practice being recovery and this was on a daily basis it's not just once or twice a week this is essentially every day this is on the road this is everything that goes into it and then you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, maybe you could be pampering it. Because at the same time, no player just wants to sit out. You know, I'll tell Chad, and I'm like, yo, look, I'm good. I'm fine. Let me just go ahead and push through. And he was like, no, you have to, like, you know, it's all about load management doing it. We'd rather have you for game day than for this day or whatever it is. Because, you know, like I said, nobody wants to sit out. So it's just being smart as an athlete as well. But it's, it's de- it was definitely not an easy thing to um, to do. Yeah, Chad, I, I wanted to ask him a question about. Yeah. I want to ask him a question about social media stuff. The new day and age of college athletes, like we, we we see social media, we see what people say about us. I mean, me, I think the both of us. I mean, everybody that really goes goes through, goes through being scrutinized at the highest level. You're going to have a lot of negativity floating around out there. How did how did you balance that, and how did you use that to fuel your fire, and ultimately end up making one of the biggest shots? in Kansas history like talk about do you look at do you look at the stuff people say about you like uh I do man, I'm not gonna lie I, do, I definitely do sometimes um I look at it and sometimes I find it amusing and I think it like people get creative with <laughs> I can't say it up here but they get creative with some of the things that they say to say the least um but at the same time, it definitely adds fuel to the fire as far as what I want to do because I've always been a big person of, like, I want to prove these people wrong. So the more people that say it, it's just like, all right, cool. I want those same people with that same energy when I flip the script and they better come correct afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just more of, like, I'll read it, but not let it affect me. I'm going to apply it to something else. So if somebody was, they'll say, well, what's going on with McCormick? You know, he's looking slow. His feet can't move. You know, get him out of the court. And I'm like, all right, cool. All that means to me is like Rams. We need to work on uh, some agility, work on some speed, whatever. Honestly, in that time, you're helping me out become a better player, if that's what you're saying. Whatever criticism you're taking is, you know, who knows? A scout may say the same thing. But my end um, philosophy is if you don't affect my career, like you don't make decisions of whether I play or not, what team I'm going to or not, or if I can uh, touch how many touches I get. So if, unless you're a teammate, a coach, scout, slash GM, whatever, one of those, you don't really affect me because you don't really got an input in my life. Mm-hmm. I might find it amusing, but like at the end of the day, 
your opinion is your opinion. Everybody has their, they're like armpits. Everybody has them. Some of them stink, is what I've always told. So, I mean, I just live by that. Yeah. And yours was historically bad. Like, you got the brunt of it. And, I mean, did the injury the year before, because, like, hey, you were literally probably at 75% the whole year before, and that has to be incredibly frustrating. And then it gets into your mental when you start a game off slow or anything like that. Did you building up your mental, like, strength, capacity, and just kind of trying to stay consistent, did that help you the next year when people were just, I mean, you you got it pretty bad where I would look through Twitter and be like, pissed off wanting to get a burner tweeting back be like bro you guys need to chill out people have no idea what we're talking about I, I think i mean honestly like i it definitely helped me become more mentally uh strong i have a great mental fortitude because of them so again it's something i benefit from my you own know, i take it with a grain of salt but i think it definitely helped me prepare for the season because um like you said i t- for us and I was just like look it's, it is what it is it's whatever I'm gonna move on to the next game and then if you go back and look at interviews each time I say like once I really shut out the noise I just play with a free mind and I play with a free heart of everything else stop trying to do so much and be so amped up and just like relax that's when everything really started following through and I, I'm thankful really because it really showed up in the biggest games for me. Like somebody had to point out for me, I didn't realize it was like when the Big 12 title was on the line, Big 12 tournament. Uh, I think it was, it was the final four and then championship. Like they were like, yeah, there was like when the, I guess when the most pressure was on, I guess when I felt like the most relaxed, like I, I tell anybody um, during that halftime championship game, I don't know if either of you saw me, but I remember looking at Kyle and I'm sitting there just laughing. Like, I know coach was going off. But I was sitting there laughing. I was like, bro, I know we're down like 15 in the biggest game of our lives. But uh, I was like, we're not going to lose. I'm like, this is just funny. Like, I just felt so relaxed. And I think that's what really helped me, um, I guess, spread my poise to the rest of the team. Did me you remember at the under four? Like uh, <laughs> in the first half. And then, yeah, we go back in the locker room. And you and Oach are just sitting there like legs back, just like. Yeah, just we were cracking jokes, and I was sitting there hot, being like, damn, like, no one cares at all. And then you guys came out and were so locked in. I was like, okay, well, maybe I should have been more relaxed. I kind of <laughs> still feel a little bad about I, that. I was hot. I don't remember what game it was. I, I want to say it was the championship game. I was the final four. And T, you were just like, I think I came to the bench, and I was like, bro, I got fouled. I, I needed that call. And you were like, Dave, shut up. Nobody cares. Just play. We need to play to win. And I was like, yo. I did that. But I was like, yeah, Dave, no one cares about you right now. We're trying to win a natty. Go out there and try to get us to win or something like that. I would I would never like I was shaking the whole game. I think I my heart rate was at 180 for like four days after that, being so stressed. Dave, do you remember prior to the to the Miami game when you had I don't know what remember that happened in uh shoot around when you got hit in like the neck or something? Yo, when Dylan landed on my head. Dude, and Dave's laying on the ground face down for like, I don't know, you down there for like 10 minutes, dude. The oddest like thing ever. I don't remember what happened. I feel like we were doing, I don't know if we were live, if we were doing Big Little or whatever it was. I remember the ball went up and I like went for a rebound and I tried to like come down. I was like hunched over. And then as I start to look up, I just see like a red jersey Dylan's like falling over me. And I just felt like the full like, whip down and I'm like yeah this hurts I'm not gonna move like all sharp <laughs> and I get up 
but it was to make jokes because I'm like, I'm stiff neck. Somebody calls my name and I'm just like, is somebody? <laughs> somebody think, <laughs> bro, it was, it was one of the worst feelings ever. Dave walks down to dinner that night because, like, when it happened, we were all like, dude, Dave's like, like, Dave just broke his neck, dude. Like, we, we, just, <laughs> like, we're, we're in the. We need a neck brace for sure. Like, Chad was like, all right, cool, we're going to get you in a scan. We're going to make sure everything's good. And I was like, I need so because this is not going to cut it. I'm going to get backdoored every five seconds if I play like a robot. Dude, yeah, it was like, So when we saw you down, it's like, oh, this is serious. And we needed you for that Miami game. Like, their weakness was, like, pretty much the big man. No, 100%. Bro. Bro. It was, it was kind of crazy because, like, we were all like, dude, like, what are the odds of this? Like, why now? Like, but at the end of the day – just bro so many things leading up to that that road was just intense it, bro, it so many, shout out to ched he kept us all out there man I'm telling you ched was a miracle worker <laughs> that, that year especially we had injuries everywhere bro it, it was it was intense and ched's cool too so like we don't really like no one i mean obviously mine going into treatment all day long but he's cool to talk to he he messes around shoots the shit but I think I remember after Dylan landed on Dave, Coach Self hits him with the, you did it on purpose. You did it on purpose. Like he does every time someone major gets hurt. He's like, you did it. On-. Like you could be the most freak thing. You'd be like, he was gunning for him all day long. I knew you did. I knew you were just like, Coach, no. No. Yeah. Chris, you're giving me like PTSD flashbacks. Well, no, James, no. uh, what do you doing? Doke a concussion or whatever? No, when I, I accidentally landed on Doke. You remember that? Like, he, they, he, he was under the hoop and he pumped fake oh. for a shot. And, like, I oh, jumped yeah. in a block it. And I landed on him. And Doke's rolling around on the ground holding his head. Every time. Why would you do that? I was like, Coach, I would never. No, I knew it. I'm like, I don't think Sorry, we would do that. I didn't mean to. Like, I was just kind of in the air and was trying to land without hurting myself, Coach. And then he shows you the film, which clearly shows that it's an accident. And he'll be like, see, right there. He looked at him. Right there. You did it. No purpose. You're flipping over, about to bust yourself. It's key. I see it. I see it. Like, coach, he's on the ground. I'm eight feet in the air. Like, this is going to hurt me, too. Like. So, Dave, we, uh, Coach Self always told us that if you win a national championship, your life changed forever. I mean, it changed all of our lives Lawrence was crazy after it, got us all kinds of opportunities, but you hit the biggest shot. How how much did it really, like, change your life? How much has it come? Have you put it into perspective yet and kind of really, like, it set in and be like, oh, okay, I made a shot that people my generation will remember to the day they die? Well, it, like, for the first initial couple of months, like, afterwards, it uh, it never really, like, sank in initially. It just was like, you know, I, I shot what we do all the time, like, this is what we practice. It feels normal, um, and the people are like, "No, you'll you'll uh, you'll be remembered in history." You know, thank you so much. I have people like, of course, congratulating me, but also like, you know, I've always loved Kansas. I'm so glad I could see a, um, a national title in in my lifetime. Like, I appreciate you so much. Thing, and I'm like, I mean, I just you know, I did something. I didn't realize for how much of a bigger picture than us and the team it was until. I saw the that mural that came outside of the locker room. Like once we added to it, and then like you see the hook, you see CB's gel, you see everybody's like impact. And I'm like, yeah, we're really like cemented in history. And I was like, that's when it kind of. I was like, at no point in time can I like 
go back and visit Kansas. It could be years down the line. I could have kids and everything. And I'm like, I'll go down and I'm like, yeah, that was that was me. I um, kind of hit that jump shot, and now I have a ring as a national title. But it, it mean, it's still a, an a, amazing feeling. It definitely set up a lot of things further on. You know, it helped just networking connections in general. Going even going overseas. So I my Turkish teammates when I was over in Turkey telling me that they were up at like four o'clock in the morning watching the game. Like they saw the same thing. So I was like, it's it's really impactful. You don't really see or get the feel of it until you really travel abroad and see how the outreach that that single game, that single moment has. They got me and Mitch on that mural on the back of the car in a parade, probably a little litty. But I mean, yeah, it was hilarious. But I mean, you even got conversation now that Pete, like you want to like, we're going to put you up in the rafters in Allen Fieldhouse because that how big of that shot was for the whole tournament, like really just being a huge part of it. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, the rafter talk and everything. And yeah, you're you're going down. People ask me all the time still being like, have you talked to Dave? Have you talked? When's the last time you saw Dave? How is he doing? Like, is he in the league or? just whatever they they picked up on you and it is funny like you were not the i wouldn't say the most hated but the most like controversial where people would say stuff about you turning into being our pretty much our savior it's wild because it took two weeks for you to do that sure i would be beyond a blessing let that be known but like yeah no it's it's crazy because i don't know i've since like i was overseas i've just been so locked in and so focused and always training always just trying to get better that like People have tried to check in, like, yo, what's going on? What's going on with this? And I'm just like, honestly, like, I'm just kind of going with the flow and keep moving. I was like, yo, we miss you so much, bro. Kansas, you need to come back. You need to stop back. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I, I, when I get a chance, I'm definitely going to come around. I definitely want to pop back in, to say the least. Like, um, you know, Lawrence is always home to me. And I'm always appreciative and always so proud to be a Jayhawk. It's just. And I got one more on the natty because I know from my experience, like, I, it has not set in like once a month I'll be driving home from work or whatever and maybe once every two months and then like the magnitude of we won a national championship hits me and it's only for like 30-40 minutes I'll get tears and eyes goosebumps being like oh, oh my god I did it is that kind of how it is for you too as well um so I never tell I think I told probably only family this right um so I am just really in disbelief of the shot itself so everybody talks about like Dave had so much poise. He had like he he knew what was going on. He like he was just as a real professional in making all of these things, right? Jay Will threw me the ball. And you see, I took my time and everything. All jokes aside, I had no clue of the clock, bro. I just went straight. <laughs> I kid you not. Like, I could have easily like did a pump fake up and under and got a shot clock violation with no clue. I was just kind of going into my move. And I did it, and everybody was like, yo, that's right on time. He knew what he was doing. No, I was just, like, completely oblivious. oblivious. And then I look back, and I'm like, I'm so happy I didn't try to do anything extra because that might have been the worst move, worst play, had I tried to spin back up and under or any extra pivot. And I probably – then I probably would have been the most hated player against basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, that was – It's, so, it's so wild, like, how one – like – how five seconds in one made shot can change the entire course of the narrative. Everything. And I'm just like, yeah. It cha- it changes so much. Now you're just known as that team. And it's just like, bro, it's it's really, like you said, life-changing, generational changing. Like, I think, you know, I, I have a child, you know, I decided to go to KU. 
from then on out, you know, they're, it's gonna have they're gonna have that McCormick name. They're gonna be like, "Are you?" And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah." Well, yeah. Uh, it, and it's crazy. I, that hasn't set in, but it definitely will, of course. Dave, I wanted to ask you one final question before we got out of here. From the last, like, truly a dominant KU big man to the next KU dominant KU big man, what are your what is your advice to Hunter and as as he goes into this next year? And uh, what what uh, what words of wisdom can you give him? Um, first, of all, um, Hunter's already an elite player. He's a great big. You know, he he has the notoriety. He has that skill. Um, I just say. Just be be a dog, bro. Just just work, cause and and listen. Don't take anything personal. Just just listen, because coach is gonna say so many things, and he's gonna throw it. You guys know it's rapid fire. He'll say everything to you, and you're like, but I know this, I know that, I know whatever. And you know he's already been in one collegiate system. He's going to another. Everything that coach says to you has a purpose. So far down the line, like his, um, you know. Not hindsight, but you know, looking so far into the future, um, that like it only it's only gonna make sense games down the line. Coach would be like, look, I'm telling you that like if you seal under your man and you seal up the lane, you're like, no, I just want to post up, I want to back him down. It's not until you're like, oh, okay, well, he's been playing me this way the entire time, bro. Just just listen to coach. I promise you he knows the best for you. It's a give and take. And um fully committed, fully invested, I promise you it'll pay off. Doing the little things day in and day out. And you did bring up an interesting point where it's like Coach Self will tell you something in August that he'll come back to in March. He'll be like, hey, yeah, we're not doing back to the basket. We're, when somebody does this, you come around and do this and, like, call you. You wouldn't be able to play on a D3 team, like, get really in your, like, in your stuff. And then, yeah, we're playing in the Sweet 16. You make a move, make a big shot. He'll come up to you, like, remember in August when I told you to do this or that. It's like, he thinks of everything. It's not, it's not that day. He thinks of it for the natty or for these big ass Coach told us so many times, he's like, yo, you're going to have to go through something before you come a team. That's when it's really going to happen. That season, um, I don't care. We're still the most winning program in history. We kind of got dogged out by uh, Kentucky at home. And that was like the defining game. That's what we needed to go through. That was our catalyst that he talked about that honestly like sent off the rest of the year for us that solidified us winning that championship. He's like, this is the moment. This is what I said you guys needed. That in the mouth, that, that kind of, all right, we've been humble. Have time to build back up and nobody be able to stop us. 100. That was like for our career too. Or Mitch, like, well, you can feed off of this a little bit. It goes for our career. I mean, your three years before we won had to have been. I mean, arguably the worst in Coach Self era. Like inconsistency, all the off court stuff, all of it. Like we went through trials and tribulations to get to where we were, and we really like went through it. We certainly paid for it, and I, I think the fact that our perseverance and that core group of guys, like we've been together for such a long time that we built up. I mean, really the new guys that we added, I think about J Cole and Remy, those are the only two new guys that we had added to that group. And, and we were so close and, and those guys were veterans as well. So they plugged right into the system. And it's a, I mean, it's a testament to, to the fortitude of, of that core group and coach self and, and our support staff. And I, I think that, uh, it's, it's not something that happens all the time, and I think that it's not something that you'll see. It'll be even less common now that, that the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness is around. But I, I think uh, we gotta we should remember it and, and, and be thankful that it happened. And, and I know I certainly am. But being able to play with guys like you guys, it, it, 
was like the greatest honor I've ever had. And I'm super stoked. I always look back on it and it makes me like, it gives me like a sense of pride. And, and I, I just want to say, I appreciate it all. For sure, bro. It's definitely with you guys. Yeah, and we could, we could all three go all day long. I mean, we haven't even stopped, and we're an hour and 15 minutes in, so we're kind of hitting our limit. Uh, we have a million more stories and have gone through just about every up and down, and probably the lowest points of our life. We were all together for it, sadly, but obviously paid off in the end. But, hey, Dave, appreciate you coming on. This was great to catch up and just have a conversation and kind of talk about what's, what's going on right now. Appreciate you coming on. No doubt, man. I appreciate it have me definitely uh be back in at some point in time but we're gonna make it happen 100 all right rock chalk guys thank you for tuning in